glory. I don't know if you got your popcorn ready. Do you got your popcorn ready? I came out the wrong line already. And he's hit the end zone for an unbelievable touchdown. I would be honored if you played football for this team. Throw it up above his head. They can't jump with me. Golly. Over the tackle of the 40-yard line. Who can make a play? I can. Who can make a play? I can. going on guys welcome to another episode of the fantasy roundtable podcast brought to you by the pulse podcasting network and me your host matt burning you can find me at sports fanatic mb on twitter today we have a combine special episode coming to you guys we've got dennis bennett at culture underscore coach and a special guest joining us today to talk specifically about the combine and a bunch of the prospects that he likes and we like so check it out of course though before we get to that this episode is brought to you by ticks blitz have you been searching for the best ticket deals around well look no further with ticks flicks the price you see is the price you pay and ticks flicks just happens to have over six billion dollars in ticket inventory just waiting for you they absolutely mean it when they say every ticket every venue everywhere and you can save even more with promo code pulse in all caps to save you five percent off your total purchase just go to TixFlix.com and click the search bar. Search events based on your geographic location. Pick the show you want, and bam, it's showtime. Sporting events, Broadway shows, concerts, and more with TixFlix.com. And while you're there, be sure to sign up for the email newsletter so you can stay up to date on the latest news and savings with TixFlix. That's TixFlix.com. T-I-X-B-L-I-T-Z.com. Every ticket, every venue, everywhere. Again, guys, I keep talking about this website. I'm telling you, it's awesome. If you're looking for any kind of ticket, sporting events, uh, you know, anything, Comic-Con, you're looking to go to concerts, anything like that, check them out. There's no booking fees, no extra stuff. It's really awesome. Uh, Again, use our promo code PULSE. That is capital P-U-L-S-E. Promo code PULSE to get you guys guys 5% off your tickets. So without further ado, let's stop wasting our time and everybody's time now. Let's go ahead and just jump right into this combine. And as I was talking about in the intro, I am super excited to bring back Jared and Dennis again to review the combine. What's going on, guys? How are we doing today? What's up, man? Appreciate you having me back on. How are you guys doing? Hanging out here in the great cold north, so. Yeah, and I'm, you know it. I'm just trying not to lose my lose my shorts over here over all these Odell rumors. So I'm just, if, I'm telling you guys, just if this happens, I'm quitting the podcast too. It's not happening anymore. I apologize to everybody out there who who enjoys listening because I'm I'm just gonna move up to Cleveland and do everything I can to get season tickets and and I'm just gonna be Odell's biggest fan in a Browns jersey every day. <laughs> dude, I hope this pings through like during the recording here. That'd be oh, dude, awesome. It won't be awesome because I, I I don't like to edit myself much on here when I do this stuff. So you guys will hear me screaming like a high school girl at a Justin Timberlake concert, and it's not gonna be pretty. It's not gonna help my image at all in the fantasy community. <laughs> But I brought you guys on here today as I was talking about in in the intro to the episode to talk about the Combine. Today we're going to review the Combine, kind of give our thoughts on how everything went. Um, I, as I talked about in there, I'm really going to kind of lean on on you two to give your guys' perspectives. Everybody kind of knows where I sit on a lot of these prospects. I've done a couple solos uh, when Dennis wasn't able to get on with me and talked about all the guys that I like and don't like. So I'll do the same thing as I did last time. Just kind of chime in here and there when needed, but for the most part, I'm going to come to you guys for all this stuff. And just like last time, we'll, we'll do the same thing. We'll start with 
with Jared, and then we'll move over to Dennis um, on every question. So we're going to start with the running backs. Um, in my opinion, and I feel like it's kind of going all over Twitter, and you guys can uh, both give me your inputs, obviously, on it. I feel like this class kind of let us down in the combine here that we had. There was only a few guys that stuck out to me. Who had the best combine running back-wise for you guys? Jared? Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think this running back class overall definitely you know, is lacking that top elite talent like we've seen with Saquon, McCaffrey, Fournette in the past, but... From this year's combine, I definitely think Miles Sanders looked great. Man, I'm tired of being right. Um, he ran a 4.49 in the 40, had the quickest three cone. Uh, he ran a great shuttle, so he showed off that quickness that we've seen on tape. Um, and he looked great in the field work, catching the balls. Um, we mentioned last time he looked good catching, but we wanted to see it, you know, uh, when everyone else was out there with him. And I think he might he might have looked like the best back out there. I think he did. That's just my opinion. Yeah, Sanders definitely came to impress. He, the unfortunate thing for him has always been that he was stuck behind Saquon Barkley for two years and just wasn't going to get any play. So he came out, he did what he needed to do. He had a great season and then came into the combine and, and looked really good. Uh, I kind of, I, I like to dig a little bit deeper into the thing. And so I, I got an article coming up on Quadrialis and uh, coming out on Dynasty Nerds here soon. I was surprised by his actual speed running a four five eight at 228 pounds. Uh, he didn't show a lot of agility in the drills. His three-cone time was pretty slow. But he, for me, he kind of falls on that Jordan Howard spectrum in there, somewhere in the Jordan Howard, the Mike Allstotts, the, those two down backs that might catch a few passes. I, I honestly think that Allison is what uh, Matt Nagy wanted uh, Jordan Howard to be. Uh, he can catch the ball. You know, he's not going to catch it like Duke Johnson, but he can catch the ball a little bit. So when you think about what the landscape of running back in the NFL, there's really five backs that are true three down backs. And after that, everything else is a committee of some sort. And so I think Allison can fall right into one of those two-down rolls, get you the two yards when you need it, get you six yards uh, uh, on first or second down. So I was really pleased with him. And then as an Ohio State guy, I really enjoyed Mike Weber putting up that 4-4-7-40. I think he might have a little bit of trouble um, vision wise, uh, he's, you know, he needs, needs holes, I think. So I don't know if he's going to be able to, how well it'll translate, but he's a versatile back. So I was happy to, to see his performance. Yeah. Olsen is a guy I had my eye on just because he was a little under the radar for me going into the combine. But when we did that show together, I knew that he was your guy. So he did impress me. I need to go watch some more tape on him. I'm looking forward to reading your article once it's posted. Another guy that I thought did really well was Alex Barnes. I mean, everybody's been talking about him on Twitter. He set the combine record for bench press reps. You know, he's a strong guy. He had 34 reps, <laughs> 225. That's insane. Um, but yeah, I mean, his current ADP in rookie mocks is undrafted. And I look today again, and it's still undrafted. I'm not sure if he's just not in their system or what, but um, 
I mean, that I, that's a guy I moved up into my rankings. I had him outside my top 36, but I moved him to 29. I still have to look into him tape-wise still a little more than I did. Uh, he didn't show me a lot last time I watched him, but his numbers alone warrant a second look, and I I think that's how everybody feels right now too. So, yeah, Barnes is a guy that definitely surprised me. Yeah, I've been hearing that a lot all over Twitter and, and throughout the fantasy community that he kind of set uh, kind of exactly what you said there. Just have people now going back and looking at his tape again, just based on what he did there. Um, and I and I agree with you, Dennis, on Mike Weber. He he surprised me. I've I've always been a big fan of Mike Weber. Um, kind of didn't like the way he got used this last year with J.K. Dobbins, but uh, I thought the way he handled being out there and and the way he ran and everything. He came out and said he wanted to prove to everybody he was faster than they thought, and I thought he did that. I thought he had a really good combine. I'm interested to see what he does at his pro day and kind of how the NFL draft uh, kind of process lays out for him and what team ends up drafting him. Now, I imagine this isn't really a a hard question to answer because I think everybody's going to have the same answer here. But at the running back position, who had the worst combine for you guys? <laughs> well, last episode I said I was excited to see this guy, so he really let me down. But Elijah Holyfield. Shit! I mean, what the hell was that? <laughs> he looked like, I don't know, he just looked so stiff through all the field drills. He ran a four seven eight in the forty. He had the worst adjusted speed score, uh, weight adjusted speed score. I don't know. I, I think he's fallen off of everybody's boards, and he yeah. could possibly go undrafted just because of, you know, how deep running back is across the NFL. I don't know. I guess that's an obvious pick, like you said. Another guy that I thought did terrible was the uh, Scarlet from Florida, Jordan Scarlet. Yeah. He looks super stiff too. So I don't like guys that are stick stiff. I like guys that are fluid in their motions and silky smooth. I like to say. Gotcha. <laughs> no, I was a little bit disappointed in the the forty times of uh, Devin Singletary and uh, I guess Benny Snell. I really wasn't as disappointed in. I would have liked to have seen him closer to the four six flat. But Singletary, when you watch him, he just doesn't look like a four six guy four six five guy and then in his agility drills um he didn't didn't perform great there either a seven three two three cone uh nick brosette who uh is a big slow dude uh almost had the same time only a few hundredths of a second slower so that that's it's puzzling because when you watch when you watch him run when you watch singletary run he just does he doesn't look slow and i think when you watch the tape on holyfield he doesn't look that slow either. So, you know, I, I get that there's game speed and there's 40 speed. So it'll be interesting to see uh, if either of uh, these guys, Holyfield or Singletary, how well they actually translate on the field at the pro level. Yeah, it's, you know, the combine's good for putting players into slots or seeing how they stack up against, like, all the other NFL players historically going through the combine and in order for like Holyfield to be successful or Singletary to be successful, they have to be like extreme outliers now just based on their testing. So that's not something as fantasy players that it's hard for us to invest our draft capital in knowing that, you know what I mean? We want to try to hit on a player that based on everything else looks like is going to be a lock to produce for you. You know what I mean? Well, if if you don't, if you're not able to draft at least one share of Elijah Holyfield, it just means you're not playing in enough leagues. 
I may need to get in some more. My question on Holyfield, because I've, I've obviously been a big supporter of his. I've, I've always kind of had him right there at the top of my tier two, as Dennis knows. He, he's always been right there. Um, is it just – and I hate to put it this way because you, these guys train for the combine, obviously. They they spend – no, I wouldn't say months, but at least weeks at a time with certain trainers to, to make sure that they ace this stuff to prove to NFL scouts and GMs that they can do this stuff. Is there any way maybe, I don't want to say nervous, but he just, for whatever reason, just couldn't get going? Because from what I've seen on tape, he does not look nearly as bad as what he showed at the Combine. So, obviously, some most people are going to say, well, it's somewhere in the middle. But it really feels like from everything I've heard from you guys and really everyone else is that, just as you were saying, Jared, he, he may not even get drafted now based on how bad his Combine performance was. I mean, is it, do you guys think he's really that bad or is it just maybe a bad Combine performance? Uh, I liked his film coming into it. I didn't like it enough to put him in my top five running backs, but I had him, I had him in there in the middle. So to see that performance, I mean, like I said, he he's gonna have to be an outlier. If he's successful, he's gonna be an extreme outlier just based on his forty time and his other his other metrics. So I don't know. He'll get a second shot at his pro day. So we'll see. Yeah, it would have been really interesting if he had done the agility drills, the three cone in the shuttle, mm-hmm. to yeah. see, you know, how did how did that play out? Is he was he because he does look quick on film. So if he had scored well there, then you kind of go, okay, well maybe maybe he didn't run. You know, he's not a track guy, so he didn't run as efficiently as he could have. So if he if he was really a four six five guy and he's putting up decent three cone and shuttle times, then then it doesn't feel like such an outlier. But when you run that really slow 40 and then don't do any of the other agility drills, it just sort of leaves that pause in your evaluation that says he is an outlier. So we're going to have to push him push him down, push him back, and really wait on it. And, uh, Jared, I wanted to ask you really quick, because uh, I know we both talked about how much we like Devin Singletary going into the combine. How much uh, – Dennis just obviously talked about how bad he looked in, Den- in his eyes. Uh, did he hurt his stock a lot in your eyes as well with that performance? Yeah, uh, he did. I don't, I don't remember where I put him in my running back rankings, but I've moved him down three or four spots because okay. um, some of the other guys impressed me, like Madison – and Snell, I thought Snell, he showed us what we wanted to see. He didn't look super unathletic. He looked pretty fluid in all his motions and testing. His, his testing wasn't bad for his size. So, yeah, Singletary, again, I, I keep saying this word, but he'd have to be an outlier with how small he is. He came in at 5'7", 200 pounds. Usually guys that small, you want to see him be a little faster than 4'6'6". So. Smaller than Kyler Murray. <laughs> yeah. All right, so based on everything we've we've seen up till this point, we've got uh, obviously the whole the whole past college football season, and then now up into the combine. Who do you guys did your guys number one change? I know uh, I believe all three of us were in agreement going into the combine that David Montgomery was our number one. Is he still your guys number one, or did that change based on what we saw this past weekend? He's still my number one. Combine kind of just showed me what I already knew. And what we knew is Montgomery's not the superior athlete. You know, he's he's gonna get he's gonna get you the dirty yards. He's gonna get the job done, and he's just a superior football player. So I think his numbers were good enough for me to, you know, say okay, he's he's worthy of the RB one spot still for me in my eyes. Yeah, it didn't change my ranking either. I still have Montgomery up there. 
part of it, to, you know, if Jacobs had tested and had, had put up a good combine, I, I understand that, but wasn't he coming off an injury? A groin injury, I believe. So I, I get that, but with that, with all that being said, Montgomery is still there at the one. Uh, and even if Jacobs goes and tests great at Alabama's pro day, I'm still going to have those the questions about, well, why didn't he, you know, get a bigger share of the load from uh, Damian Harris? And and you know, I I understand Alabama spreads the ball around a lot, but they they do they will give somebody a big share of it as evidenced by Harris uh, racking up a couple thousand yard seasons. So they, they'll give it to him. And they, they didn't really seem to give Jacobs that, uh, that amount of work. So that's probably, that'll probably still keep Jacobs as my number two running back and, and keep Montgomery up at number one. Yeah. That's how I have him still too. So really quick, I want to ask you guys on Josh Jacobs because it seems like he's obviously the the fantasy darling this year. Everybody, even though he didn't test at the combine and everything, he's still, it seems like most people's 1-1. How far behind David Montgomery is he for you two? Is he kind of firmly supplanted in that 1-2, kind of like Darius Geis was last year with Barkley? Or do you guys think that depending on how good his pro day is, can he jump Montgomery? If his pro day is putting him in the elite athleticism categories, I think he would make that jump for me. I have I have Montgomery like 1A, Jacobs 1B. They're in that first tier for me. Okay. So he could jump them. Yeah, I, I look at him. I, I don't know if it's 1A, 1B right now, but if somebody says, you know what, there's, I, I'm going to take Jacobs and you can have Montgomery, I can't fault him for it. He's He's coming from a school that's, produced a couple good backs and uh he's got some skills and abilities so you know if you like him and you want to sell yourself that you know he didn't get as much wear and tear and so he's going to be fresher longer and he's got better athletic ability you know i guess the downside of it is just being athletic doesn't make you good at football right all right, so we're going to apply the same question we just talked about, but obviously in reverse here. Based on everything you saw this past season and then coming into the combine, who had the who's the worst of this class or who you think is – I mean, I know we just talked about Elijah Holyfield not getting drafted. Who do you think uh, is just not going to be on anybody's radars at all when it comes time to NFL drafts and our rookie drafts? Yeah, if we're strictly talking about people who attended the combine, I'd have to go with Nick Brissett from LSU. He ran above a 4'7". Him and Holyfield were the only two to run above a 4.7, and he was in red all over my combine sheet as far as the metrics go. Um, when watching him do the field drills, field work, he looks extremely stiff in the hips. Um, I don't think he could go undrafted, honestly. I, I just, he didn't interest me at all. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised to see LJ Scott in the same boat. Having grown up in Michigan, I wouldn't mind seeing him, uh, uh, you know, get a chance but he didn't run he seemed like he was a little bit heavy uh, didn't test great athletically so yeah I, I think he's sort of somebody that's dropped off and he'll get he'll be in a camp but i don't know that he makes it past the practice squad okay interesting whose stock rose the most or who who kind of really vaulted themselves up boards here with their combine for performances 
Uh, like I, I mentioned him earlier, Alex Barnes. He showed out at the combine. Um, people seem to be torn on him. You either love him or you hate him right now. A lot of the tape, tape guys are just kind of like, eh, with him. But anytime you put up numbers like that, you're going to raise your stock. Another guy we haven't talked about yet is James Williams. Everyone's comparing him to James White. He's the running back from Washington State. Last year, he led the NCAA in catches with 83 catches, so you know he can catch the rock. Uh, he, he weighed a little more than I thought he would. He looks little on tape. So he came in about 200 pounds, 197. I don't know exactly what his play, play weight is because, you know, these guys are trying to beef up to get their numbers up a little bit. Right. Um, he had a great three-crone, 701, so he looked great in the drills too. So I think he's a guy you want to target towards the end of your dynasty drafts if you're in PPR leagues. I think he's going to he's going to be a guy that's going to be catching the ball at the next level. Yeah, I think Rykel Armstead showed out pretty well. Had some good speed and some real good athleticism. Uh, if he shows that he's got any decent vision at all, um, you know, he could be somebody that really surprises. What about, uh, do either one of you guys have any opinions on uh, Justice Hill? He's a guy that I know a lot of people liked coming in. Uh, obviously, I thought he was, uh, I liked him a lot. I have him right up there in my top ten. The only thing that really worried about me was his size. Obviously, not very big and doesn't weigh that much. Uh, your guys' thoughts on him, your, your opinions on his combine? Yeah, I mean, his tape's full of electric playmaking ability. So, he he, he was another guy who showed out. I mean, he ran a four four flat. So, he's faster than I thought he would be. He's... He looks fast on tape, but four four flat, man, that's right. moving. <laughs> so uh, he he also came in a little heavier than what I thought he'd weigh in at. He looks a little slim on tape, but uh, I think that's just his build. But yeah, Justice yeah. Hill, he's good, man. Yeah, he's, I I think he's he's gonna have to make his bread and butter. I think in the passing game, he did catch, catch thirty one passes his sophomore year. So if he can. Uh, you know, get in a system that allows him to play in space. He should he should do well. Yeah, I could see him being like a PPR guy. You know, like I, not like a James White. I'm trying to think of a. He kind of reminds me of Reggie Bush a little bit, honestly. I don't know if that's a great. I don't know if that's great for him. He probably wouldn't like that comparison very much. Well, I shouldn't say that. Reggie Bush had some pretty good productive years in the NFL. So, who's stock? Yeah, once he got. Sorry. Go no, ahead. you're good. Go ahead. I was gonna say once he got acclimated, he, he did a little better. Than his first few years. Yeah, for sure. Whose stock plummeted based on their combine performances? Uh, we talked about him earlier, but I thought Devin Singletary's stock definitely plummeted. We talked about it. He came in at 5'7", 200 pounds, ran 4'6", 6". He's gonna If he's going to be successful, he's going to be an outlier. So it's hard to put our stock into someone like that. Yeah, that 7'3", 3 cone drill, and on top of that, 4'6", 6", 6 for Singletary. That kind of stands out. Miles Gaskin was a little uh, – he didn't run as well as I had expected or wasn't quite as agile as I expected. Watched a couple of Washington State games uh, or Washington games this year. And, uh, well, I didn't have high hopes going into him. After watching the games, I thought, you know, he doesn't look too bad. and uh, But he, he didn't perform great athletically. You know, he's probably going to end up being – a a third or fourth round uh, rookie pick in dynasty. So he'll spend some time on the taxi squad, see if he gets a shot. 
Yeah, for sure. He's he's another one of those little guys. He he's put together a little more than I thought though. He put up twenty four reps on the bench. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he weighed in at two eleven. So yeah, I was surprised to see that. So he's a good pass catcher. So mm-hmm. he might be able to to hold up uh, in that maybe Duke Johnson role. Yeah, for sure. I could see that. Yeah, I feel like a lot of this class is all kind of those those kind of players right there, at least for the running backs. It's a, it worried me a little bit. I thought we'd get a lot more guys that would kind of separate themselves a little bit. And I feel like every not everybody, but a lot of the guys kind of brought themselves back to the pack compared to what I thought they'd be. And everybody's kind of grouped in that same group right now. Based on what you saw at the Combine, whose performance made you want to go back and watch more tape? Well, I don't want to sound like I'm beating a dead horse here, but Alex Barnes, so I'll skip right on by him. But <laughs> Travis Homer. Running back from Miami, under the radar for me. Haven't watched tape yet on him, but he's the youngest running back that was at the combine. Um, he put up some great numbers. You're in a four four eight, almost a forty inch vertical, one hundred thirty inch broad jump, which is right at the top there. And his hands are huge. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if that good. matters for running backs, but um, yeah, I need to go watch the tape on him. And another guy is Reichwell Armstead. Dennis was talking about him earlier, but he had the best weight adjusted speed score for running backs at 112.2, running a 4.45. So that's a big dude coming fast. So I, I need to go back to the tape on him as well. Yeah, I, I think my concern with Homer might be his vision, but you know, I, I, he didn't necessarily play on any really, really strong Miami teams either. So you know, I, I don't know. I, he's somebody that I think is going to have to, you know. I don't. He's probably one of those guys that's not going to make it onto any of my teams. I'd probably draft Holyfield first, just because I saw a lot more flashes of Holyfield than than I have with uh, Homer. Now, admittedly, I've also seen more Holyfield tape than I have Homer, but uh, he. he I, I don't know. I, I don't know if I buy into Travis Homer. All right. And then, based on what we saw at the combine this weekend, who surprised you the most? Who did you not expect to do, or who came in? I, I don't know why I'm trying to reword this, guys. I'm sorry. Three hours on the road today has made me extremely tired. You're good. Just who surprised you the most at this combine? <laughs> uh, our Buckeye, Mike Weber. You know, watched him all year, but I didn't realize that he's a four four guy. <laughs> right. Ran a four four seven. I I don't know. I just watching him. I guess that just didn't really hit me that he was that fast, but I, I see him, I see people talking about him on Twitter now. Of course, Ohio, Ohio State fans are coming out of the woodworks, raving about him. <laughs> uh, he's a good all-around back, though. He catches the ball, makes people miss. Dennis mentioned he needs to improve his vision. I agree. Um, I currently have him at 32, my top 36, so I moved him up a little bit. I think I had him at 36 before the combine, so he moved up a few spots for me. I need to go in and watch his tape a little more to go into the detail on Mike Weber, though. Yeah, I, you know, there were a couple games this year where Weber, you know, he popped through the hole and was behind the defensive back, and, and they just couldn't run him down. And I never I never guessed him as a 4-4 guy. He always, to me, looked like he was going to be slower. And then on a couple of those runs, I was like, wow, their speed I hadn't hadn't seen before. Actually, I think I might have messaged you on uh, one of those runs, Matt. And yeah. uh, it just was something to see and made me go, okay, maybe he is. Maybe he, you know, maybe he's not, uh, oh, what's the dude's name? Maybe he's not Boom Heron. Maybe there's more, <laughs> more to his NFL game. Yeah, uh, he reminds me a little bit of, like, Antonio Pittman. I feel like he runs – 
runs similar to him. Not that Pittman had a NFL career or anything like that, but that's my Ohio State comp. I guess. Yeah, <laughs> I like Pittman. I was surprised he didn't have a better career, but you know, when I kind of look at what he's done after football, I I kind of think Pittman just was like, you know, I just don't feel like I need to do this. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I, th- I think the one thing that kind of hurt Weber all last year was it just felt like when, when they needed someone to do something the most in the backfield, it seems like Urban Meyer relied on J.K. Dobbins a lot. And I'm a big Dobbins fan. I do think Dobbins is going to end up being better than Mike Weber. But Mike Weber had a great year two years ago. So I, I just I feel like maybe the, the, the split in the backfield where it seemed like it was more 60-40 in Dobbins' favor this year really kind of hurt Weber's stock a little bit, at least coming into the combine process. Yeah, I mean, Dobbins is warranted, though. I mean, yeah. there were Dobbins had a good uh, had a number of games where he averaged like two point four yards a carry. Mm-hmm. So I I don't know that that uh, I I w- there were times I was watching those games and thinking, you know, those those carries don't need to be going to Dobbins. He's not producing right now. Who proved you guys wrong at this combine? Um, Dennis might not like this one, but L.J. Scott. <laughs> I thought he actually looked pretty good. So where it's. We're in split ends on that one. Fight. He fight, didn't, of course, fight, he didn't fight. test. So. so what are we supposed to do? I mean, we have to be careful that we don't hurt each other, right? I cannot listen to any of your instructions. Or you are my sworn enemy and are about to meet your demise. Who knows, but we'll see it as pro day. But I thought on the drills for his size, I thought he looked pretty good. So going into it, I, I, I was like, ah, oh, LJ Sky, he's this big dude. He's stiff. You know, he's not going to test well at all. Again, he didn't test, but he looked better than I thought he would for sure. Uh, I was right about everybody. I'm very important. Uh, I have many leather-bound books, and my apartment smells of rich mahogany. I, I'm friends with Merlin Olson too. He comes over on occasion. Well, <laughs> that makes one of us at least. One of the three of us was was doing good. If your team, no, beat, I, I oh, go ahead. Uh, I thought you were being serious there for a minute, so I was gonna—I was just gonna move on. No, no, I, I was BSing. <laughs> now I—I I feel like for the most part, you know, we we've hit on the upside surprises and the downside surprises as we've worked our way through it through this. So there's not really a whole lot more to add to it. Okay. All right. So if your your team needs a workhorse back, you're on the clock. Every all the running backs are available right now. I mean, I can't the Tampa Bay Buccaneers since I know uh, Dennis over there hates Ronald Jones. So Ronald Jones shows up. He's fifty pounds overweight. Tampa Bay just cuts him. They're like we want nothing to do with you anymore. They're on the clock. They need a workhorse back. Who are you taking, Jared, to be your number one? As a workhorse back, three down back, David Montgomery. I mean, he's my top rated running back right now. I have him there for a reason. I think you can hand the ball to him twenty plus times a game he's gonna be able to catch passes for you he's gonna be able to protect um quarterback in high school so he understands the leadership responsibility and he's been praised for being a leader on his iowa state squad so i mean you're getting everything there by taking david montgomery and you know the tape the tape doesn't lie every single game he makes plays that i'm just like how did he get out of that or how is he not tackled there so i know he didn't have a great combine but it was good enough for me that still leaves him there at that RB one, and I'd I'd love to have him on my team if I'm if I'm in need of a running back for sure. Okay. Yeah, I'm right there with with Jared on on Montgomery. If I if I need a, a three down back, I'm gonna grab grab Montgomery if he drops to me. 
All right, so let's let's flip that and go with the receiving side. Your team needs a receiving back, and you're you're on the clock. Who are you taking? I want the best receiving back in the in the draft, James Williams. He was the best receiving back in the NCAA last year, so I'm taking that guy. I think he's a guy you can put out on third downs. He's gonna be a mismatch for linebackers and safeties. Um, you use him similar to James White. I think he's that guy for sure. Yeah, I think some of it comes down to where are you picking them at so if you're you know fourth fifth round third round you're probably going to be able to get james williams if it's later then uh you know you might want to look i as much as i wasn't pleased with his athletic profile if i'm in the sixth round and i need a a running back that i know can catch some passes uh, i i'd still be comfortable taking Miles Sanders, or excuse me, Miles Gaskin, and uh, letting him try to win that job just to see. You know, he's a, he's a good receiving back. He's got good size. Uh, he caught some passes at Washington. So if I if it's late and I and I want to take one that I, I know I need to fill it, who's the best of what's left, then I'm going to go ahead and hop on Gaskin. I like that pick. I think uh, another guy, if it's super late, like seventh round, sixth round, is Tony Pollard from Memphis. He played receiver for a little bit in college, and he was that guy for them. So I think, you know, he's got the experience doing it. His his numbers were pretty good. I haven't watched the tape on him, to be honest, but I saw him when I was watching Henderson a little bit. So somebody, I could see a team taking a flyer on him. Hey, what's going on, everybody? This is 8-Bit Ray from the Gorilla Brain Podcast, part of the Pulse Podcast Network. Did you know that you could be using this spot to advertise your company or business? Well, I've done the research, and PodcastInsights.com report that podcast listeners are loyal, affluent, and mostly college-educated, but most importantly, are five times more likely to interact with the ad they hear on their favorite podcast than an ad from any other medium. If you would like to advertise your company or brand with our network, it's simple. All you have to do is send an email to marketing at pulsepodcastnetwork.com. I'll say it one more time marketing at pulsepodcastnetwork.com and we hope to hear from you soon all right well i was gonna ask if anybody um if anybody obviously changed their opinions on the one one but it seems like both of you guys are still on david montgomery as am i uh, nothing has had to change obviously you both have kind of eloquently touched on that throughout the throughout this so far so there's no point in really getting and diving back into that david montgomery still our one one he's gonna stay there at least for now so moving on to the tight end position, I know who I felt had the best combine for the tight ends because he's been my number one overall, but who did you guys feel had the best combine for the tight ends uh, this past weekend? I think <clears throat> I think this is obvious. I don't know if you have him here, but I think Noah Fant. Ding, ding, ding. What do we have for Johnny? Yeah. Definitely had the best combine for sure. Uh, his scores put him in the 98th percentile in athleticism across the the NFL and everyone who's come through the combine. So that's <laughs> that's crazy good. He looked way better on the field drills than I expected. Last podcast I said he looked a bit robotic sometimes on film, but he looks he looks smooth going through the gauntlet drill and um catching the rock. So I may or may not have moved him to tight end one. <laughs> I keep going back and forth to him and Hawkinson, but that four four 40 weighing 250 pounds, man. Yeah. That's that's crazy. That's crazy stuff. 
or four five. Sorry, not four four, but yeah, four four would have been even crazier. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, who is he? Evan Ingram? Come on, man. He's better than Evan Ingram. Don't you sell his name by yeah, comparing him to Evan he's Ingram? Be better than Ingram. <laughs> I, I think this tight end, the top of this tight end class in general, uh, is still. It's sort of like the uh, Josh Jacobs question and David uh, Montgomery. If somebody says, oh, I'm going to take, you know, fans my guy and I'm taking him, great. But if somebody else says, well, Hawkinson's my guy and I'm taking him because I just like him better, it's like, I, really, is there really any point in arguing about it? It's Yes, there is. They're, they're both going to be really, really good tight ends, and Irv Smith is going to be really good as well. Smith was very smooth catching the ball. Uh, you know, he's just a, he's a, a little bit smaller, but. Yeah, that's one thing I worry about him. He's a little, he came in a little shorter and stuff than I expected. I like, I like having six, five guys out there. I, I do too, but you know, I think back to Aaron Hernandez, who was what, six, two. And, you know, Hernandez was a, a nice move tight end to catch the ball and could run the ball and had, had enough bulk to block. So. You know, I, I feel like Smith is kind of going to fall in that same role. I don't know if Smith will ever be the one that lines up in line all the time. Of the three, I think that guy is Hawkinson. So Hawkinson is more the Gronkowski guy, and Smith is more the uh, Hernandez guy without the murder. Boy, that escalated quickly. I mean, that really got out of hand fast. It jumped up a notch. It did, didn't it? Yeah, I stabbed a man in the heart. I saw that. Brick killed a guy. <laughs> yeah. Just had to throw uh, that in there, didn't he? He's the youngest one, too, so that's another thing teams are like. You know, he has more time to develop. Well, I think there is an argument to be made, Dennis. I think Fant is, is easily the number one. He's been my number one throughout the whole process, so I feel like uh, this past weekend validated me on that side because everybody's been jumping on that Hawkinson bandwagon, and I just feel like Fant kind of just completely blew him out of the water in that combo, and that's just my opinion. So Yeah, you- I mean, sorry. Hawkinson didn't do terrible by any means. Like He had a great combine too, but I think what everybody are, is enamored with with TJ is the blocking side of things, which right. is a huge part of playing tight end. But yeah, I, they're just different. They're different type of tight ends. Oh yeah, I agree. Like as Dennis, I know is touching. I think you touched on it last time too. Going into the combine episode was that he, because he is so good at blocking, chances are he's going to be on the field. Um, almost as soon as he gets drafted, he's going to be able to come out there and play almost every single down where Fant is not that good in the I guess the blocking aspect of the game I just think he's a physical freak that that's always been kind of my my side of things I've always thought he's a a just more physical better better offensive weapon than uh, Hawkinson is Uh, but we've been talking about the best three in this class which is Fant Hawkinson and Smith Uh, we all know that likely when it comes to rookie drafts and the NFL draft those are going to be the first three tight ends off the board outside of those three guys which tight end uh, did you guys think really kind of vaulted themselves up and could be that next best in the category I really like Foster Moreau from LSU. The guys at the TDN, the Draft Network, they seem to be really high on him. They were talking about him, and then they were super excited all over Twitter when he posted his numbers. He he had a 36-and-a-half-inch vertical. He broad-jumped 121 inches, and he had the second-highest spark score from the combine out all the tight ends. So he, he placed in the 90th percentile when it comes to the tight end landscape. In the NFL, he's a guy that I didn't really hear about too much coming into this thing. I guess he was very underutilized at LSU. So I'm going to go back 
look into Foster Moreau a little more, but he's definitely that that guy that stood out to me as far as outside the top three. I thought Jay Sternberger looked pretty good. Yes. Good call. Yeah. He's not, a, he's not a burner by any stretch, but at 4.7640, uh, but he's pretty athletic and he's a, he can catch the ball. So he kind of has that size combination, size pass catching combination to be on the field for all three downs. So I was pretty pleased with uh, how he looked. Yeah, I liked him too. Uh, he had a cool story they were talking about at on the, if you guys are like watching the combine yeah. during the broadcast, they're saying like um, the coach he was he was at the uh, well was it a JUCO right? Yeah, yeah, he was at the JUCO scouting someone else, and then they saw Sternberger. And, like they offered him, I thought that was pretty cool. But yeah, I liked him a lot. I thought he looked good as well. Yeah, he he's been my number four this entire time. I, I've liked him. I, I don't understand why he doesn't get more more pub in this class. I mean, he's obviously uh, I would think all of us agree a step down from those three, but I do think he still has a legitimate shot to be a, a good tight end in the NFL and possibly a good fantasy tight end as well. Uh, so he's he's a guy I've liked for a long time now. Yeah, this tight end class is deep. Yeah, it is. It, it's a lot deeper than I think a lot of people realize because everybody wants to focus on those top three. I think once you start looking into this class a little bit more, it's a – I mean, I'd, I'd almost I'd, – I almost feel like you can say it's it's almost deeper than the running back classes at this moment just based on how, like I said, all those guys seem to have kind of grouped themselves in that second tier, not very many elite guys as we touched on earlier. I feel like that wide receiver class is so deep and this tight end class might produce a lot more fantasy uh, fantasy and NFL tight ends than we first expected when this class first came out. Yeah, for sure. I agree with that. All right, so which tight end surprised you guys the most based on their combine performances? Uh, Josh Oliver from San Jose State because I had never heard of this guy. He runs a four six three at two hundred fifty pounds. Looked great on the field. Um, so I mean, I was surprised. I'm gonna have to look into him a little more. About you, Dennis? You know, I was a little bit uh, that surprised me. You know, Caleb Wilson's speed surprised me. I think for the most part, they lived up to their billing. The ones you know, I was probably more disappointed in a, a couple of them than any of them really surprised me by how well they did. Yeah, Isaac Nuada kind of let me down. I, he's a guy that was getting talked about in some of my chats that I'm in. And I don't know, you come in, you're 6'3", 245 pounds, and you only can put 225, you know, 19 times. I mean, it's still a lot, but still, I, I think from a tight end, you're going to want a little more than that. And his, I mean, on top of that, his three cone, and his vertical, and his 40 were all bad. So he... He let me down for sure. I forget. Were we talking about who let us down? How did we get onto that? Oh, Dennis just brought that up. We were talking about who surprised us. You said you said Josh Oliver. All right, so based on, on uh, everything we've talked about, I, re- I don't remember the exact order. I'm pretty sure that both of you going into the Combine Preview episode had Hawkinson at one, Fant at two, and Smith at three. I, I know all of us had Smith at three, and then I had Fant as or Font. Oh, my God, I always mess his name up. I always want to say the wrong thing. Uh, but I fans at one. Um, did you guys, based on the combine performances, change your rankings so far right now, or has it stayed the same for you guys? Yeah, so I keep teetering. Fant one, Hawkins two, Hawkinson one, Fant two. But Fant's back at one for me. Like I said, Hawkinson's back to two, Smith's at three. And then if I have to put four, Sternberger is still at four for me. You know, I, I, I'm probably right now, maybe it's just pure stubbornness, 
I'm going to keep Hawkinson as my number one. Um, the one person that's going to drop out of mine is uh, Isaac Noada. I had had him, I think, at number five. Yeah, and just I'd watched just a few clips of him, and he just looked he looked better than in the game than he did uh, in his testing and, and being as slow as he is. So I, he's probably going to drop down. Uh, I was surprised that the tight end from Stanford, what was his name, Caden Smith. Yeah. Um, you know, Stanford has been pumping out these pass-catching tight ends. And then to come in and just be – talk about not being very athletic. I mean, he had a, a good three-cone, but his shuttle was slow, uh, 4.92, 40. Just, just really didn't – Yeah, like 15 he, on he the bench. Sorry to well. interrupt you. And so I guess if, you know, if, if he's going to be that pass catching tight end, maybe, you know, maybe, maybe, you know, the Jason Witten model is the, the way to go. <laughs> hey, I mean, it's worked for him. So, yeah. All right. So that's going to do it for this first part of our episode. We're just doing the Arby's and tight ends. We'll do a part two episode here that will be released just a little bit later today with the wide receivers, quarterbacks, and we will do a mock draft. So thank you guys so much for listening. Before we cut out of here, Jared, tell everybody where they can find you on Twitter and where any of your articles are going up at. And then Dennis, please follow him as well and tell us where we can find you on Twitter and your articles. Uh, You can follow me on Twitter at Jared Wackerly FF. And I write at ffstatistics.com. And we'll be dropping a new YouTube series coming out here soon. So look out for that. We'll be breaking down prospects with my man, Jesse Reeves. And I'm at, on Twitter at culture underscore coach, uh, writing for Dynasty Nerds. You can find me on the Pulse Podcast Network here on this fine podcast as well as others. And I appreciate you guys so much for joining me to talk about the running backs and tight ends. And we will talk to you guys later. Yeah, thanks for having me on, man. It's always a pleasure. Who can make a play? I can! Who can make a play?